Welcome to the Next Wave Radio Hour from WERU Community Radio, a program featuring folks around their 20s and 30s from across Maine. I'm your host, Pepin Middlehauser, and I use he, they pronouns. In this show, I hope to provide you with unique perspectives of life from the next generation working to create the future they hope to see. It has been just about one year since the very first episode of Next Wave came out, and it has been quite the experience so far. I wanted to use this episode as an opportunity to reflect on all the conversations that I've had thus far, and to give you a glimpse of what is to come with this show. It's pretty exciting. What follows now is a series of clips that I've pulled together from my interviews from the past year. And I'll be back later to recap everything with an old friend of the show. But let's dive in. Here's Colt Neidhart. Um, I had done a little bit of theater in high school and I had this really great experience where I, I left a gas station like at the end of the first semester of my freshman year of college. I was leaving a gas station and I ran into this guy who used to, he, he was a theater professor at Shadron State, and he used to adjudicate the competitive one-act plays that we would do in high school. And he caught me coming out of the gas station, and he asked me what I was doing and how things were going. And he asked me if I was on scholarships, and he, he told me that if I had an interest in coming over to do theater, that there would be a scholarship available for me. And that that kind of became the end of it. I, I started taking classes in theater, um, in acting and directing, but also in design and technical work. And I, I found that that was really something I liked to do. Uh, being able to work in a collaborative art form was something that was really exciting and unlike other experiences that I had had. And ultimately I started, during, during the summers, I started working at a summer stock theater company that was really close to Shadron there. And it was led by the same guy who was the theater professor. And I became box office manager at that theater company. And we were able, the life of a box office manager is nothing overly romantic. (laughs) Uh, I I spent a lot of time listening to people in the rehearsal room through the wall and they were doing what I wanted to be doing. And so there was always this kind of tension of like, yeah, I'm happy to be the face of the box office and to sell tickets and to be friendly to people. But ultimately I want to be in the next room. Like that's what I want to do. But um, I didn't, there was no choice in the matter. I felt like it was a proximity game. You know, it's like I needed a job and I wanted to be doing what they were doing, but if I could at least be close to it, if I could smell it and see it and hear it and know what it looked like, um, I could eventually get there myself. And, And I did, but what came from that experience of working at that summer stock company was that while the shows were going on, um, I would get to hang out with Roger, who was the professor and the artistic director. He was there every night, but while the shows were going on, we would sit outside and we would eat popcorn and listen to the show over the speakers. And we would talk about everything. We'd talk about life and he would chain smoke Pall Malls. He had this really incredible way of uh, he would smoke Pall Mall non-filters and he would always have a cup of coffee in his hand. And so there was always this gestural language going on of him waving a cigarette around in the open air and talking really passionately about, about theater and about what his path had been. And he taught me a lot about arts administration, which I didn't even know was an option at the time, about like really the business of art and how companies can be made sustainable and have community impacts. And 
it things started to click in my life uh, because of his influence, really kind of understanding what an important role organiza arts organizations in particular can play in communities and how they can function. So um, that was that was a lot of my early college experience. Um, and that that fed through to this idea that um, if you want to be involved in entertainment industry in particular and the, the arts at large, uh, being able to remove some sense of ego about it is really important because the best thing you can possibly do is learn how to do a little bit of everything. You need to be able to be of service to whatever is going on. And no one gets to have the privilege of saying, oh, I'm just an actor or, oh, I'm just a director. Um, so that that was a really important lesson. I think it kind of, it put me in my place, but also equipped me really well to be able to take steps into the next part of of my career so that my expectations were always kind of manageable. <laughs> realization that I've come to very recently is what I wish I could go back and tell myself is that my my intrinsic value, my self-value does not lie in external grades. Uh, I think for especially with ADHD and not knowing that I had it, you know, school was driven by achieving the grade I needed to so that I knew I was doing okay, so that I was being praised and was succeeding and I would only do the things that I knew I would, as I said, I, I knew I would do well in. And so I really limited myself in what I tried. And there are lots of things that I was passionate about, but didn't know that I could succeed and felt that, you know, my, my worth would be less, my, my inherent worth would be less if I didn't get the grades I thought I should be getting. Um, and seeing the way that that has that that pattern of sort of holding myself back, and so I'm really grateful now to be in a position to think more about that and sort of recenter where worth lies and what is important. You know how to practice self love and how to build up that resource before before you can help anyone else. You know. Um, and how important that is. And now thinking differently about, you know, new ideas or new adventures and not seeing if it doesn't go well as any sort of failure, but, you know, instead a learning experience and, you know, what, what do you come out the other side of it with? Uh, but being more open to, to thinking about um, carrying your self-worth with you instead of relying on external validation. I was going to ask like kind of a, a general question about kind of, kind of generally like what's next in a way like you know do you know like where your future is taking you but I feel like you also kind of explained like a pretty well that it kind of doesn't matter like you know where you're at right now and you know that things are ever changing and shifting and you'll be moving on to other stuff at some point probably but who knows what that is and it, it sounds like you're pretty like at peace with that and like you know understand that too at Glad least, it you sounds know, that way it does it does sound that <laughs> way 
I'm working on that. That's definitely an ideal I hold of being present and and not spending all your time worrying about you know whether what you're doing is perfect and what you're gonna do next. And I've spent my fair share of time, you know, obsessing on those things, especially in in my earlier twenties. And it, it's not that I am at peace with where I am right now necessarily, but I'm working on it. I um I'm a little bit obsessed with Eleanor Roosevelt. I don't know how I got to be 33 years old without and have two college degrees without knowing uh, a great depth of information about her life. But everybody should know everything about Eleanor Roosevelt because she was an incredible human. My partner and I watched this like 20 odd hour PBS documentary about the Roosevelt family. And it was extremely informative, but a little bit dry. And at the end of it, I was like, okay, whatever, Theodore, whatever, Franklin. But Eleanor, I want to know what the inside of this woman's brain looked like because she accomplished so much. And she was such a champion of of you know people who were discriminated against either because of their class or their race or whatever demographic was the underdog she was their champion and she did a tremendous amount to further the united states on on social issues and and to provide to change the framework of how we perceive our government and and to um apply responsibility to our government to take care of its people and in a lot of ways we've backslided since Eleanor's time um but I read this book by her I was thankful because I wanted to look at the inside of Eleanor's brain turns out towards the end of her life she wrote this book called you learn by living uh, and it's like the culmination of her life uh, experiences and knowledge and wisdom and she's very very humble she's like this is not the end I'll be all like don't take this as you know anything more than just you know what I ended up with um but it's deeply wise and it's exactly what I needed to hear and um I I think everyone should should have to read her book and I I feel at this moment I I have just finished reading Eleanor's book and it's positively changed my view of the world in a way that might end up fading over time. But at the moment, I feel more inspired than ever to be um, active in my community and to take on social responsibility. You know, of, of I spent most of my 20s just angry about the state of things, angry that I was born into a post-capitalist world with a failing democracy and and that there's so much hatred and misuse of of our natural resources and mistreatment of people and other sentient beings and I have spent most of my time being over cripplingly overwhelmed by those things and Eleanor has helped me reframe that a little bit in terms of you know I'll never be able to make the impact that she made but she had an affluent background and her husband was president of the united states i mean she had resources to make a resounding impact on the earth i don't have that background i'm decidedly working class and spend most of my time working to live and don't you know don't have the same capacity to make huge changes but i can i can embody 
her worldview in smaller ways. Like, you know, as I've been thinking about how to apply her her sense of social responsibility to my own life, it's like, well, you know, you could start with something as simple as going to the town meeting in June. Like, that's a good place to start. Like, just find out what's going on in your community and, like, inform yourself and form, you know, opinions. And then, you know, it'll become clear how you can act upon those things. And, and the philosophies that I've learned from Eleanor Roosevelt of, of basically... I don't know, just, she, I don't agree with every single thing Eleanor said by any stretch of the imagination. Some of it is a little cringy. It didn't, uh, hasn't aged well, either just a product of the times of the world she was living in at the time, or there's, she has some unprocessed trauma that I don't think she ever really worked through. But, um, she definitely had a, like, a pretty hard philosophy of take responsibility for yourself you know like maybe you can't change the world but you can change what you're doing to some degree and and i i agree to some degree i also think that a lot of us are you know just born into what we're born in and have to do the best we can but but that's also sort of her philosophy as well so what i'm trying to say is that eleanor has helped me to realize that even in my very small life, in my very limited ways, I can use whatever circumstances I'm in at the moment in an effort to make the world a better place. You know, I might just be working at the Naturalist Notebook selling books, but I can have meaningful conversations with people. I can I can connect with people, which I think the world needs more connection. And and I might not be able to do that on a huge scale, but I can do that with the person I'm talking to at that moment in the naturalist notebook. Um and I might not be able to save the world's oceans, but I can provide a small resource that will make it easier for other people to make in, impactful changes. So I am focused on learning how to be at peace in my in in my circumstances and uh it's an ongoing process and i have definitely some really dark times around it but at the moment maybe because the shad bush is flowering and the apple trees are flowering and the tulips are up uh i feel pretty hopeful (laughs) and pretty pretty content and pretty full of gratitude for this life that i i get to live here I think I would have told my younger self, just have faith in yourself and trust the journey and really enjoy it. Because especially with something like music, once you decide that it's gonna be your career and your job, it very quickly, there becomes a lot of pressure, a lot of self-doubt, there's imposter syndrome, and you feel like you might not be deserving of the success you're getting or the shows you're playing. And I think, I, I think I've learned and grown into just really enjoying the journey. And if I feel like I'm having a bad day and I'm really bad at the drums that day, I sort of take that as a moment and know, like, let's work through it. I think I often, well, I mean, I live on Mount Desert Island and it's not like I am a Martha Stewart or anything. It's hard to grow older on this island and see who can easily establish themselves here and who can't. 
a lot of, of my friends have left. Um, and I think that is true for everyone who lives here. And a, a lot, there's so many different reasons for that. Um, one can be that it's hard to find a job that you are passionate about, that you're interested in, that can sustain you year round here. I mean, which is a fear of mine, if I were to leave the two things that I've got going on. And it is so hard to afford housing. Um, it's so hard to find it before you can even afford it. The health care system here is not amazing. And I just, I think it is hard for, for families to stay. And it's hard for me to imagine being able to start a family here and feel like I could stay but I don't want to go anywhere else. And I think a lot of other people don't want to go anywhere else. And I also, I get discouraged. I mean, we are all struggling against common things like housing, you know, and affordable wages and healthcare and things like that. But I've, I'm increasingly feeling like we all get distracted with these flashy things. Who voted for Trump? Who didn't? Who's in favor of Black Lives Matter, the entrenchment that people are falling into is just, it's really discouraging to me because I think people are more dynamic than a yard sign. And I've seen people that I care about decide that they need to completely cut off and alienate other people because, you know, they think they don't share the same value system. And of course they don't. Like they're human beings. And I, I know that they feel like really heavy topics and like part of the core good versus bad system that ties society together. But I don't think we can actually work like that as a community. And so to just feel like everybody who's here, you know, who's like working class families holding on to be divided even farther apart from all this stuff, that just gets me down. It's really quite challenging to try to formulate, to try to sum up my life because my life has been kind of a roller coaster and kind of a weird journey. And, uh, and I really don't know what the punchline for any of this is going to be. <laughs> I think something that I just recently have sort of realized that I think would have helped me a lot if I had known it earlier in my life, um, is that the, the challenges that come up in life can be, can be really quite intense and they can, they can last a long time and they can even last beyond the point where you think, you know, where you're like, okay, this is never going to change. This is never going to get better. This is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. And for me, you know, that can be like certain challenges I have with singing, that can be certain emotional things that I struggle with. But I think, I think what I've just recently discovered is that those things can actually change, but the scale of how long it can sometimes take is, is greater than I ever expected it would be, but that it's still worth it. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't give up on that stuff. You know, may, maybe try to look for other other ways to crack the problem, but but it's still worth it, and 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 it's worth not just giving up. 
I think my life changed dramatically once I understood what trauma was. <laughs> so I think, you know, our generation talks about mental health so much more than all the other previous generations. But for me, it never made sense. The feelings that I had and the struggles that I had never made sense until I understood that complex trauma is something that many, many people live with and that trauma is not something that happens to you if you were in a war or if you were hit by a car. It's a sum of small experiences that you can have that disorient you, that you don't know how to handle and they can overwhelm you and that that can accumulate into a state of being. So I think, you know, my advice to myself would just be like, I don't regret the decisions that I've made and the people that I have known and like the life path that I've been down, but just to really do my research and be open to understanding like what was happening in my own mind and my own body and just understand that there was a way to feel like grounded and to feel like a person because I think so many people especially like I didn't grow up hearing about mental health and I didn't grow up hearing about trauma and like I think especially like on the island where I grew up like it was common for me to just hear about stressful stressful things all the time that happened in people's houses and their families and in school and it wasn't until I was an adult that be I began to grasp like those things have a serious impact on us long term. So I just would recommend like, you know, it does, not everyone chooses therapy, but just a way to understand what's going on and how to process it, I think has been the most impactful thing for me in my life. A wisdom that I've just started to understand, you know, well into my 30s is that, and it'll sound maybe obvious to most people, but it was not to me, is that what you enjoy doing really matters. Like where you are lit up by an idea or a certain type of work or a certain hobby, like you know, that's like a, a great navigation tool to follow. And that is not something that I was really taught in my, you know, childhood, in my schooling, even though, you know, even at a really progressive institution as Unity College was at the time, there are just, there's so much more opportunities in every day to pay attention to like, what is lighting me up? What am I curious about? What am I excited about? And of course, if we follow that form of navigation, we're going to enjoy ourselves more. And that's great. But that's not even the point. It's just like, I think our places of, our individual places of brilliance are able to be found if we can follow something as silly as, oh my gosh, I'm like obsessed with country songs. I love these. I want to like analyze them out. I want to like talk to my friends about them. And I'm, you know, I want to be just diving in like, you know, this silly three minute song about a heartbreak. Well, yeah, because everybody's had a heartbreak. And when you have a heartbreak, hearing somebody express it in a way that makes you say, that is exactly how I feel right now. And I feel a tiny bit less alone that somebody else one time felt like that too. And they like wrote a song about it. 
Yeah, so I think following what excites us, what's fun to us, to really find our places of brilliance. That I, and I think that's connected to productivity and how we impact our world. For sure, it cannot be that we need to do a bunch of work that's uninspiring and we hate and we're slogging through to like create a better world. Like I don't believe it for a second because that's like old world thinking. I don't know. I mean, I think this is also what a lot of people who come out again, quote unquote, later say, I wish that I'd like come out earlier, that I'd had the support system to do so. I mean, my parents were great, but it's just I didn't really know. I didn't have the representation. I didn't have queer people in my community. I didn't have people that I could really see and talk to and discuss. I didn't even really start questioning until I was, you know, 24. And again, coming out at the beginning of the pandemic kind of puts a uh, damper <laughs> on <laughs> going out and meeting people. So I think it would have been a lot easier. I mean, it's coming out as a, it's not just, oh, hey, I'm a queer person. It's so much different. There's a lot of things, at least for me, that, you know, lifted. A lot of self-hate, a lot of negative thoughts kind of left. And I was able to, you know, in loving myself more, do more to help my community. So I don't know, like, I think that as a young person, and especially in Maine, like, it's incredibly important to be sort of informed about what's happening elsewhere in the world. And that's like, yes, it's in politics. Yes, it's in sort of international relations and all this stuff, but it's also like just young person to young person, I think has been my takeaway from the past few years of just like, you know, most world leaders are 50 years older than we are. <laughs> like at some point they're going to die off and we are the people who are going to have to fill that, whether it's, you know, playing music in an international uh, ensemble and sort of taking and showing and sharing all of our different approaches to music from wherever we're from, sort of playing for different audiences and traveling if we can, or if it's like actually running for a political office. <laughs> like, I think, I like to think that those are, you know, the office is, is more important, but I tell myself that music is also very important because it's sort of a, a way that I, I'm unsure of the like music as a, what do they say? Music is the language of the world or whatever. You don't need to speak to play music. Fair enough. But also like, I don't know. I'm not sure about that saying. <laughs> I'm never super convinced of it because it has a lot of sort of colonial implications. But I do think that music is like quite an easy way to share cultures and to care about other people and especially if you're young and you're kind of into the same thing like historic performance early music everything about it is improvised so if there's three of us from three different countries and we're playing the music that's 300 years old from a composer from a fourth country each of us is going to interpret that in a different way and then as we play we're improvising and Alonso will play something and I'll respond to that and then Maria will sing something else and then we'll respond to what she's saying. 
And it's just like a very, there, <laughs> it's, there's sort of a lot to be learned about sharing um, and listening to each other in early music. And I think it's, it's almost a way of resistance or sort of can be, can be a political statement. And that's sort of like my struggle currently is, is what to do with that. I think it's important. And that's sort of what's important to me as a young person, thinking of like, what can I give to the world? How can I help in this sort of insane political situation that we've got going at the moment? <laughs> and like, is there something that can be helped with music? And if there's not, like maybe there's not. And maybe the answer is there's nothing that can be helped with music. But that's like the skills that I have that I can bring to the world. I can also call people and tell them to vote, but I don't have a light, like a, I don't have a driver's license. I can't drive people to the polls and I don't have a political background. I can't run for office. So sort of everything about music is like what I can bring to the table. And I'm sort of, that's what I'm trying to, trying to work on. You know, the thing that I have really become more aware of and better at appreciating is actually a something that my best friend reminds me of often. Um, it's a really good mantra and it's keep your head where your feet are. Um, so when I think of that, I just think about you know trying not to anticipate all of the challenges that are coming down the road what you know what do you need to overcome in that one day not letting the future worry you too much because things will work out and things might work out in a way that you never actually thought was possible it you know what you had expected for your future could be totally different and that will still be okay You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Hour from WERU Community Radio. In order, you just heard Colt Neidhart, Megan Metzger, Jordan Chalfont, Zeke Zacharidis, Tegan White, Celeste Middlehauser, Bethany Humphreys, Sarah Trunzo, Nina Duggan, Phoebe Durand McDonald, and Amanda Langley. At the end of the very first episode, I invited my best friend, Brett Finney, into the studio to talk and really to help me figure out what the show was and is about. Since this episode is marking one year since we did that, I thought it was time to talk to him again. Would you like to start with introducing yourself with your name and your preferred pronouns? Sure. Uh, I'm Brett. My preferred pronouns are he, him. I think I've really tried any others. Yeah. I think I prefer these ones. They're good. Yeah. So you were on the show in the very first episode. Yes. We kind of finished the show. Long with... time fan, second time caller. There you go. We kind of finished the show with a discussion. You know, I sent you all of the interviews that I had, the three interviews I had had for that show. You listened to them and we kind of discussed some of it because uh, this is a, a clip of our conversation. You're going to play me and you for me and you. Yes, this is a piece of our conversation from episode one. All right. You know, I wanted to come down and, and talk to you about all of this because I'm still at a little bit of a loss for what this show is about, what this show means, mm -hmm. and what I'm trying to do with it. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like I'm too close to it. What is this show about? Hmm. 
for me, at least in this first episode, and of course you could steer away from this in later episodes, but this first episode is about, to me, the journey to Maine, both coming here for the first time and returning here after some amount of time away and how easy or hard or good or bad it is to return to Maine. It's highlighting the difficulties of young people in this state. Um, no, I like that. that. That's very, I mean, we're all journeying to Maine in some way. Yeah. I've never left Maine, but I am still learning mm -hmm. about my home state one every of, day. One of the notes that I wrote down while listening to Rachel was that she didn't directly say this, but it, it's sort of like I felt it is that Maine is like a big funnel. Somehow we all keep ending up in Maine. Yeah. And of course there's a bias because we're in Maine. So of course the people around us are in Maine. Right. Um, but more than that, people on vacation, they come to Maine. It's on the freaking license. Can I say freaking? <laughs> yeah. People come here and sometimes they stay, but people are always coming to Maine. Yeah. I don't know. I'm rambling. That's perfect. Oh, great. I like that. Cut. <laughs> Can I say cut? Am I allowed? Wow. Wow. I was so wise back then. You, you are still are. That's why I want to talk to you today. Well, I'm glad that you've asked me here today, Pepin, because I've brought some notes. <laughs> you brought some notes. I have some, some note cards here. But all of that to say, like, I, I still am figuring out what this show is about and what the purpose of this show is. I think that's the whole point, is that the show is about people not knowing what they're about and trying to figure out what they're about. You're you're doing it right now. You're being your own guest right now, and it's perfect. You're echoing so much of what is said by the people you interview that you don't know, you don't know what this is, you don't know what it's about, you don't know necessarily what you're doing, but you know it's good, you know you like it, and you know it's doing something. And that's the whole point. That's what so many of the clips that you prepared for this, this piece today are about. Is like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. It's good. I want to help people. That's what this show is about. This show is about what this show is about, you know? That's true. You're right. You're the secret final guest, Pepin, of this Me? show. Yes. <laughs> I was hoping it would be you. No, no, no. I was the first guest. You are the final guest. That's that's interesting. See, I'm still learning something new every day. Exactly. I do have, of course, some notes about this episode that okay. you prepared out of clips of things that have already aired. Yeah. Um, the trouble is that. So there's a twofold trouble with with how it's has been pulled together here, which I think is both a good thing and a bad thing. Because there weren't necessarily easy to recognize names attached to the audio clips of this episode, I didn't have written down who they were. But I think that's amazing because one of my last notes here is it sounds like all of this could have come from one person. Mm. We're all, you know, this young person in Maine trying to find who they are, trying to, to take advice from other people, trying to figure out what we want to do in our lives. And I don't know if you if you'd have it all read by someone, this could easily be compiled into a single memoir. Everything that was said today about identity, about helping the world, about the sort of bleak hopelessness of them things and the really exciting, you know, energy of other things mm -hmm. easily could all come from one person. 
I did try to pull clips that weren't all, you know, I steered towards some of like the highlights of some of the interviews, yeah. like some of the parts that stood out to me and that I remembered yeah. standing out to me and finding those and pulling them. I, I wasn't going to spend time listening to seven hours. of. Content. No, you don't. You don't listen to this show. I, I, I do, but I wasn't going to listen to the entire show all in one sitting. I've been I was a little last. This episode is a little last minute. Um, I like to to let everyone listening know that Pepin is actually 24 hours ahead of his usual schedule for this episode. <laughs> Meaning it's going to air in 48 hours. Yes, not tomorrow yes. morning. Yes. Yes. Correct. But yeah, I purposely, well, part of it was I pulled clips that were unique and interesting and kind of... It, I really wanted people who hadn't heard the show to before before to listen to it and say that was an interesting story that I only heard a piece of. Yeah. I want to go find the rest of that episode and listen to it because I think everybody's story is unique mm. and everybody's story is story is identical in some way. Yeah. It's all worth telling and it's all worth hearing. Yeah. You know what's weird? After listening to the, the what you've sent me, I just want to uh, read more about Eleanor Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? We were talking about your show and how how very similar many of these messages were from these people. That is what I started to try to go for well into the process of making this show. Yeah. Like over half a year into it. And the idea that everyone has essentially the same experiences growing up being a young person mm -hmm. or at least very similar but the context changes yeah is really important and it's really important for people to understand that and hear that because i didn't understand that until recently yeah. i definitely felt alone in my experiences growing up and figuring out how the world works and everybody feels that way apparently definitely and it's not even unique to me and we just have uh, another layer of shared sort of mindset right that all young people i mean we all grow up with so many questions like we don't know how anything works we want to know and we look to people and we try to find out what they know and and from what other people know we try to discover what we know and i think that's great and um one of one of your guests said the the line that never they never had to figure things out alone yeah and i think that's so awesome that Community is the same thing as self in many ways, that who we are is such a reflection of what is around us and the people that care about us and the people we care about. You know, how you interact with other people is just as much as who you are as how they interact with you. You know, you can you can really build yourself out of community. The theme that I gathered from this episode is at least with Colt, who was the first piece on this episode, it was it was about, you know, discovering something about himself. But there was this other character in his story of this film professor mm -hmm. who was a mentor to him. And I, I was thinking about that as I was listening to the other pieces. And there were the occasional um, mentor figure throughout these stories, someone who is not in our generation, who has had a positive impact on someone in our generation. But interestingly enough, the advice that they were sort of, what they were sort of reflecting on from their past, it's almost as if the people you were talking to had become that person for themselves now. 
that they were starting to embody this older and wiser figure to, you know, impart their knowledge to a younger generation, which is really stellar. And that's one of the great yeah. things about a story um, on radio is that you could play this in 20 years and it would still be just as important and just as true as it is right now. It could help, you know, someone's kids who aren't even born yet right now discover that they aren't alone in feeling the way they feel that the human condition is not so alien to other people that we don't get each other mm -hmm. that we we really do sort of understand what other people are going through if we if we stop and think about it for a bit the stories don't change the context changes yeah It's so tricky because I don't know their names because the names were, didn't come at once. But somebody was talking about the concept of individual places of brilliance. And I thought that was stellar. And that's the sort of thing I'm talking about with everyone's becoming a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and are starting to become those mentor figures that they themselves, when they were young, um, had and maybe needed, maybe didn't need. I don't know. But certainly some of them had. Um, and the concept of individual places of brilliance that like there is a niche that our minds can occupy, something that we are really good at and like really care about is awesome. You know, it's really a local radio, you know, <laughs> bringing bringing the voices of young people to an industry that um, doesn't often include them. Yeah, that's awesome. Pepin, that's a great individual place of brilliance. I. I'm honestly amazed that I have the ability, that I have the privilege and opportunity to do this. Yeah. I think there's nobody better for the job that I've ever heard of. Thanks. Yeah. Somebody said that they only felt that they could do things they knew they'd do well. I feel that way. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think that um, feeling that way and overcoming that is a huge part of life. Definitely. We especially in the sort of the society that we live in, in, you know, the Northeast of the United States in 2023, there is a certain amount of the world that we're allowed to be in, or we feel like we're allowed to be in. Um, you go to your job, you go to your school, you do your thing, you come home, you watch TV. And there's this sort of repetitive monotony that we get trapped in. And it's so unfortunate, you know, it's so unfortunate that people don't think they can get outside their comfort zone. Oh, someone also was talking about um, how to practice self-love, which is a really great way to put it, that self-love isn't just something you do, it's something you practice. There's only a few things that people say that they practice. Martial arts, <laughs> religion, you know, like instruments. Yeah. Those are really profound, big, culturally significant things. You know, fighting, that's human history. Yeah. Religion, that's human history. Music, that's human history. And self-love. I want those four things to be held in equal ground. That would be awesome. Maybe not fighting, but <laughs> the other three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think it's so great that at least somebody said it, you know, that Self-love is not something you get right on the first try. It's something you have to practice over and over and over again. 
because you would never expect someone else to be perfect on the first time. Why do you expect yourself to be any different? Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things that I want this show to have those moments of relatability for everybody. Yeah. And I think that's definitely one of them is feeling like uh, the understanding of that is something that you do have to continually practice forever. Yeah. And I think the only thing that changes really as you grow older is you kind of get a better understanding and more acceptance that it's just something you still have to do Mm -hmm. and you still have to learn about and you still have to extend further. And this also came up with one of the clips that that's something our generation's, I think, doing pretty well. Yeah. Is we are talking about how we feel and how we're doing and what makes us happy and what makes us frustrated in a way that I don't think was really done very much in the past. And again, I, I was not alive before 1996, <laughs> but I from what I understand, people didn't used to talk about things like that. It was considered almost taboo to admit that you weren't doing well because it was this primal weakness that other people could pounce on. And we do so much better now with building a community and finding people that have something going on in their life that we also have going on in our lives and clumping together with them like water, like surface tension. Almost. We want to clump together with people that we are like, like, yeah, which is good. It's great to find someone that understands what you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the understanding that people who can be very different than you again, different context yeah a different place yes. a different experience a different cultural experience all of the all of those things can be extremely different but they can have the same stories very similar stories yes. very similar experiences definitely to everybody definitely i was gonna ask you okay it's kind of a wrap up i wanted to ask you the question that I asked at the end of the last one and the question that I was asking basically at the end of every single interview I had, mm-hmm. which is what is something that you've learned that could have helped you previously in your past or help someone else currently? I mean, I think the biggest thing, especially just from this show, is that there's so many people out there that want to help you. There's there's so much there's so much desire to help people in the world that putting yourself out there to find help and find love and find community is the most important thing that can be done by a person to better themselves. And just accepting that you will never have all the answers and that all the answers may exist, but they're never going to be in one person. And you need to talk with other people and you need to connect with other people in order to complete the feeling that you have. I might not include this in the show, but I wanted to play for you, at least for our purposes. So this is your response to that question last time. Oh, my God. What did I say? If there was one thing that you know now that would have been useful to you five years ago, 10 years ago, whenever that you know point in time might be. What would you go back and tell yourself back then? Don't work as hard. And I'm still telling myself that every day. And yet I do. That especially in a state like this where you're surrounded with such natural and wonderful beauty, sometimes you really just got to slow down and look around. Get your head where your feet are. 
Whoa. Whoa. That was way more profound than what I just said. I don't know. I think both of them are good. And that was succinct, and I love it. I, it was heavily edited, too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I think, you know, that last that last quote from Amanda right at the end. Yeah, where we went, whoa. Well, it, it was, <laughs> right, it was the... purposefully the clip that I put at the very end of all of those highlight clips. Yeah. And it was Amanda and saying her friend's uh, advice to her that she keeps trying to hold is to get her head where her feet are. Yeah. And that, you know, more than anything else, like trying to understand this whole process of this show and what the purpose of it is and what what more I can do to benefit people who yeah. are listening to it and do my part in in helping and supporting and helping people feel and understand that they're not alone in all of this. And I think there's a lot of stuff that I can do and a lot of stuff that I try to do, but it just keeps coming back to that kind of feeling. Um, I have a little note here that says, as always, my main complaint is there's not enough Pepin in this show. I heard that a lot over the course of making this show. That is my plan moving forward. I mean, the format of this show is changing a little bit. I'm adding in more hosts to the show for one thing. I'm adding in more collaborators to run this show because it's a lot to do for one person. Uh, I really care about the quality of what comes out of this. And it's really difficult to maintain that level of quality and to do all the interviews as one person. So the WERU intern, Olivia Peruk, is going to be taking over the next two episodes this summer, the one, the two that come directly after this. And uh, that's going to be amazing. I'm really excited to see what she comes up with for those. And past that, when it kind of comes back to me, I think she'll, she might be staying as a collaborator, depends on her school year. And Brett. Hey. You are going to be coming on and helping run the show i have heard that um from people have talked to me about that yes me yeah yeah it's you it's me yeah sounds great i'm extremely excited because it has been the best part of this show is to be able to bounce stuff off of you oh. and say what does this mean and you say it, it's it just means this and i'm like oh right it is simple i can i can keep the idea for the show simple and that is meaningful. Well, I think Pepin, um, first off, as a young person that lives in Maine, thank you for making this show happen because without a media for uh, expression that is not so mired in like an online community, mm -hmm. it's just very pure like answers. You know, like this is this is how I'm feeling. You know, this is what it's like to be a young person in Maine. And I don't think there's many media like outlets for that for people so thanks you know for for giving us a place to chat i yeah. think it's really good i'm really grateful that i had the opportunity yeah um would you consider this to be the final episode of season one of your show not exactly but yeah in in sort of a hypothetical context you know it doesn't really have seasons, you know. I, I'd like to say that <laughs> season two of, of Next Wave Radio Hour will include Pepin Middlehauser as a guest. And we will finally <laughs> pull back the curtain and see what see what has changed with Pepin over the course of this show. I know a lot has changed about you since you started this show. It is and I'm, true. And I'm wondering if maybe hearing from other people has allowed you to hear more from yourself. That is 100% true. Yeah. 
That is 100% true. And that is very insightful. That's literally why I'm here. It is. Yeah. It is. The other piece that's going to be changing about this show after this episode is the sort of setting, the sort of format of the interviews. It has been very heavily edited. I've taken myself asking questions and responding to the the conversations. I've taken myself out of them almost completely. Yeah. Not a fan of that. As as often as I can. And that was definitely a context of I had trouble hearing my own voice. I thought I sounded very awkward. And I'm sure that everybody kind of thinks that when they listen to themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm going to stop doing that. I want these to be conversational because it is a conversation. There is someone who is telling a story and there is someone who's listening. But again, everybody has essentially the same experiences and those are relatable. See, and that's a huge thing. Not wanting to hear yourself is huge for anyone. Yeah. And I think that goes beyond physically hearing your voice. It is it is in some ways easier for a person to help other people than to help themselves. And to take advice from yourself, to listen to what you have to say, whether it's profound or not, is hard. Regardless of, you know, the distortion of your voice over the radio, it's hard to think... Oh, I, yeah, I do know how to take care of myself. Oh, crap. It's hard to face your own reality in a lot of ways. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 And, and to sort of confront like, oh, man, I really said that. I really feel that way. Like, that's tough. That's tough because then you start you know, reflecting on so much about your life. Yeah. So I don't blame anyone for not hearing their own voice. A few moments ago when you played that clip that had my voice, I cringed. <laughs> it, it made me uncomfortable and that's really funny because it made me really happy yeah it's amazing how that happens how your voice can can anyone's voice can make themselves feel uncomfortable and make other people feel really happy yeah yeah like right now i hear your voice and i'm like that's my best friend and you hear your voice and you go angry yeah it sounds very strange to me pepin as your hype man i must tell you that your voice on the radio sounds like another co-host of something on NPR. <laughs> if if I heard the words, hi, I'm Guy Raz and I'm Peppa Middlehauser, I wouldn't blink. <laughs> hi, I'm Ira Glass and I'm Peppa Middlehauser. Normal. I mean, I can talk more, but I think that's about what I was going to say. Cool. People, people are more alike than they're different. People are becoming their own mentors. Find people that care about you, Eleanor Roosevelt. Perfect. Thank you, Brett. No problem, Pep. Thanks for having me on your show again. Thank you for being on my show again. That was my best friend, Brett Finney. Finally, in this episode, I want to introduce the person who will be joining the Next Wave team and taking on the next two episodes of this show. Hi, I'm Olivia Peruk, and I use she, her pronouns. Yeah, I'm a local college student. Uh, I go to College of the Atlantic, and this summer I am interning for WERU, which I'm super excited about and has been really fun. I feel like my connection to Maine. I'm originally more from Southern Maine, um, Gorham, outside of Portland. My family moved about over 10 years ago now to Maine. 
And I've been up here on Mount Desert Island for the past couple of years through the pandemic and whatnot. So it's been a really interesting, uh, I feel like, collection um, and experiences. I also find a lot of young Maine kids really want to leave Maine. And I definitely had that experience where I felt like I didn't want to go to college in Maine. I was like, no way, I'm going to leave. And then funny enough, I stayed in Maine and now I feel like I keep being called back to Maine and I feel like that's been a really cool, cool experience since I feel like my family, we've been more floaters. We've kind of been all over the U.S. And it's funny that it feels like, you know, it maybe we'll settle in Maine. It's kind of the final resting of our roots in a way, which has been really, really an interesting, I think, experience from being not tethered to more tethered to a place. Yeah, I think this show is super important because it's funny I think often we we get this idea that we get wisdom with age and I think that in some like absolutely is true but I think there's also so much wisdom in young people as well and how we can also listen and experience and, and just learn from each other I'm really fascinated by people and growth and development and I think by listening to you know people from all walks of life and all sorts of stories can just really help us understand ourselves and our context around us which is why I'm so excited to be able to talk to new people. I also just love stories and learning about people. And I think it's just so, I know, part of humanity to want to connect, especially after the pandemic. So I think it's just going to be a really great time. So excited to take on these upcoming episodes just so we can learn and grow together and hear what all these brilliant young people in Maine have to think about the world. That was Olivia Peruk, who will be hosting the next two episodes of this show. My name is Pepin Middlehauser, and this has been the Next Wave Radio Hour. I want to give a huge thank you to every single guest that I've had on this show in the first year of being on air. Thank you also to the Maine Community Foundation for supporting this program. Our theme music is by Zeke Sakaridis. You can find the archive of this and every other episode of Next Wave at weru.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Please do go back and listen to them if you like this episode. It would mean the world to me. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email nextwaveradio at weru.org. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Next Wave Radio Hour airs on the fourth Thursday of every month at 4 p.m. Until next time, take care of yourself, okay? Okay. Okay.